This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 81. Hey friends, before we kick off this week's episode, I just want to share with you a quick message from my pal Sarita. You might remember her from episode 49. She has a business called Moss. And she's doing a campaign this Christmas that I think is really beautiful. So I asked if she'd come on and share it with you all. Hello, I'm Sarita, the founder of Moments of Sense and Style, or Moss for short. And I'm here to share our poignant presence message for Christmas this year. As with the world in flux, Christmas seems like a strange affair. Battling with conscience and consumerism, we're all eager to make a difference this year and be part of the change. And when running a small business, I'm acutely aware of our part in the cycle too, and we're finding our way. And this is where less is most definitely more. Instead of piles of unwanted presents, why not make it a beautiful, thoughtful offering? Our message this festive season is to champion gifting simply, with meaning. Poignant presence with soul. Embracing the beauty of provenance. Understanding who made it and why. Engaging the heart and senses with a slower considered pace can be done in style. Choose to buy from our range of wonderful wares that embody strength, courage and hope. Or support other independents. Shop small. Shop simply. Buy less. Buy better. Make it matter. Choose to gift less knowing that one considered thoughtful piece will mean a whole lot more. I'd love for you to join our movement help spread the word, or even just simply purchase that perfect poignant present from us or someone else and share with the hashtag. Gift with heart, gift with soul, gift with meaning. Let's all slow down and gather moss. Hello, how's it going? Things here have been really good this week. I launched 15 Minute Magic. You've heard me talk about it, I'm sure, if you've listened to any of the previous podcasts. And I was totally blown away by the response. It sold out so much more quickly than I could have anticipated. And I guess I just wanted to say a thank you to everyone listening, to everyone who believed in me and came along and has jumped on this crazy bandwagon with me. I am so excited to get started in January 2020. And if you're listening to this in the future, in 2020 or years beyond, my plan is to run the program quarterly so people can sign up every quarter or if you want to, you could take it for a whole year. And so if you are thinking about signing up to a future one, you can still go to my website, go to me and Orla co.uk forward slash magic and you can stick your email address in one of the boxes there and that will mean that the next time I'm ready to enroll you will get an email. I'm thinking I might do a podcast episode actually where I talk about the lessons I've learned from this launch because I'm always learning we're all always learning right and everything's an experiment and this launch has been really fun for me and I've challenged myself and I've done some things a bit differently and still kept it as a really what I consider to be a gentle launch a soft launch not a hard sell so yeah I think I'm going to put together a podcast just talking about my experience of it and the lessons I've learned that might be helpful to some of you guys okay so this week's interview is with Sophie Hansen who is an Australian food writer and photographer but also a social media educator she has a ton of knowledge and she shares it so generously with her audience who are mainly uh, small rural 
food producers in Australia. So people who are quite isolated, people who maybe don't have an immediate audience for their product right on their doorstep and need these valuable connections they can make through social media. Before we get into the interview, I need to let you know that this was a Skype line between me and her in Australia. And so there are a few points where the sound quality is not the best. Maybe her line drops off a little bit, but you can still tell what she's saying. And I'm mentioning this because somebody left a podcast review. Uh, Side note, thank you to everyone actually who leaves me a podcast review. I keep meaning to make more of a point of this because whenever I go on there, there are so many beautiful, generous, just wonderful comments that make my day. So thank you to everyone who's taken the time to do that. Not only does it make my day, but it helps other people find this podcast too. And it's a huge favour, so thank you. But also, someone had left one saying that the sound quality sometimes on the show is not good enough and that I should be investing more in better microphones and technology with my guests to make sure it is. And I just wanted to explain for anyone listening that it wouldn't really be possible for me to fly to Australia to interview Sophie, for example, for this week. And if I had set that requirement on myself, we wouldn't be able to have all of these amazing conversations. I kind of feel like sometimes having slightly iffy sound quality is a small price to pay for being able to hear from people all around the world. And also, it's a free podcast, you know. If it's not good enough, it's cool. You can just go and listen to something else and I will understand. So hopefully most of you can still enjoy this week's episode despite any problems with the sound quality. It's a really valuable conversation and Sophie is such a warm-hearted and knowledgeable person with so many key lessons for anyone who is trying to connect, trying to reach out and build an audience and maybe feels like they're doing it alone. Hi Sophie, welcome to Hashtag Authentic. Sarah, thank you so much for having me. I am really, really excited to be here. It's really nice to talk to you because it's been a year since we saw each other over in Australia, where you are. I know. I can't believe it's, um, yeah, it pretty much exactly this time this year, last year, you were here for our gathering and um, oh, no, it was so lovely. So it's nice to hear your voice again, if not your see your face. Yeah, definitely. And it feels kind of right that it's the same time of year. It feels like we're catching up. Um, for anyone who doesn't know you as well as I do, could you give us a quick introduction to everything you do and who you are? Yeah, sure. So I'm talking to you. We live on a farm about four hours west of Sydney. Um, and I grew up actually in Sydney, but moved out here about 13 years ago when I met my now husband, who's a farmer. And um, I do lots of different things of who I am and what I do. But basically, um, I write recipes and I've just done a, my second cookbook called A Basket by the Door. And I also teach social media to farmers like us who maybe want to tell their story um, online to a more direct audience in a more kind of um, authentic and engaging way. Um, what else do I do? Um, I'm a mum. I've got two kids. Podcasts? And I love... Oh, my podcast. Thank you, Sarah. I have a podcast called My Open Kitchen, which is really, um, I guess, the, the whole point of it is to get um, farmers and producers like us excited and confident enough to get online and get onto Instagram and, and start telling their stories because we used to go to the markets every weekend selling our venison. We have a deer farm and I'd see all these farmers left right of us at the at the farmers market installs talking to their customers in this beautiful direct way and sharing their recipes but then they'd kind of freeze up when they got to Instagram and and so hopefully what we do with the podcast and my stuff with my open kitchen is to give them that kind of confidence to to really share what they share at the markets in real life 
I love that about meeting so many of the people. That... Well, on Instagram, by the way. <laughs> um actually i should explain for anyone listening if there are moments when it seems like one of us is interrupting the other we've got a bit of a delay on the call i think because of the distance we're going to fix as much of that as we can in editing but just in case people are like wow sarah's being rude to sophie today (laughs) i think that might be my not so great internet connection from here from country australia i'm sorry yeah rural australia wi-fi that was that was a a learning curve for me (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I know. It's it's something we really have to, well, we are working on it. This is probably something that a lot of the producers that you mentioned come up against. And I met quite a few of the those kind of people at your gathering last year. And, um, and I just, I was really struck by how imaginative it was of you to, to see the role that social media could play for them. Because so many of the people that you talk to are artisans in their own right. They're making that beautiful really carefully crafted food or drink product and social media is the perfect way to connect them because I guess you can be so isolated Australia is a big big place absolutely you know we used to drive four or eight hour round trip every weekend to do the farmers markets and it was fantastic because Certainly our product, venison, is a real hand sell. Like you have to stand in front of people and explain how to cook it and, you know, people are a bit nervous to spend their money on a whole a different kind of meat that they're not used to. So the markets, you know, by their very name are really good marketing. Um, but after a while we, we, we had our first, daughter, our first child, Alice, and it was really tricky to get to the markets every weekend. And now they're older and they play sport and it's impossible. So I, I feel like Instagram, for us at least, and for a lot of other producers, producers I know has kind of stepped into that gap of, you know, I can still tell people what's happening on the farm that week and how much rain we had or what flavour and the sausages we've got, etc. But I can do it on Instagram and it's still a direct communication between me and our customers and our community, but we're not we're not driving and we're not travelling the hours and hours and hours to actually get there face to face. So um, it, it's it's been really great for us and I, I can see it working for so many other producers. So I'm really, I really am really passionate about what, what that role social media can play for, for farmers because we are isolated and we are working really, really hard every hour God gives, God gives us. And, and it's not always possible to get to the restaurants and get out there promoting our product in person. So this kind of fills that gap, I find, really well. And presumably it means you're not quite so geographically limited because obviously a market can only be attended by the people who are around the marketplace, but Mm. potentially you can sell across all of Australia. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously you've got to have all the kind of logistic stuff in place like wholesalers and people that can actually get your product from A to B. But yeah, it does. And it also, like, you just never know who's looking and who's out there and what, maybe what journalists are looking for a good story or what food writers are looking for a particular product. And and I, I just say the more you're out there and more you put yourself out there, the more open you are to making these connections and you never know where they can lead as well. Oh my gosh, that's totally true. That's, I think that's true for everyone, whatever you're using social media for. You can be kind of sowing seeds that you don't even realise you're planting. Absolutely. And, you know, that's what I say to people all the time, like just keep plugging away because sometimes maybe you've started out and you've got 20 followers and they're all your family and friends, but they've all got lots of family and friends and, it, you know, it's that ripple effect. But you just need one person to kind of come across you via a hashtag or, you know, a follow or a link and then and then you're away and then they share your feed. And so I just think, um, you know, it costs you nothing to put yourself out there like that, but your time and 
you know, we are living in this content. You know, I, I often say to people, when you're out checking fences or if you're feeding your cattle or feeding your goats or whatever it might be, do like a quick Instagram live and share with us where you are at that point in your day because people are really interested in the backstory of where their food and fibre comes from more than ever, I think, um, and we're in it. So why not kind of share it as much as we can? Well, I had a couple of producers take the Insta Retreat um over the years and yeah totally that's that's kind of the message to get through it's like the things that are mundane and boring to to someone who does this every day are fascinating insights to the rest of the world and I think that's true way beyond farming like it's so easy to overlook our best content because we take for granted the things that we do all the time absolutely like you know I see your 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 Instagram stories and your birds on the mirror and I just I'm entranced you know but for you that might be kind of everyday stuff but it's so um yeah it's enchanting for me so I think we all underestimate how I guess how exotic the mundane for us can be for other people well yeah and budgies as well are uh, everywhere in Australia so (laughs) except (laughs) on the mirror maybe (laughs) yeah yeah well, we have a problem with the, the we um, we're surrounded by grape um, uh, vineyards and orchards, and we ourselves have a small orchard, and the birds are a bit of a problem. <laughs> so we net them out most of the time, but um, they're still beautiful. Send them to me. Yeah, I would if I could. Send them all my way. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned right at the beginning that you're a mum and also a farmer, and you have this business, and that's the other thing I think is really inspiring about what you do is you still find the time to create this great content and create content for your audience. How do you manage that juggle of all of those different hats? Um, uh, I think it's all a bit of smoke and mirrors, actually. <laughs> no, I, um, I I, don't know. I, I, I guess like all of us working in our own businesses, I, I, first up, I really love what I do. And, you know, people say, oh, have you watched the new Game of Thrones? I'm like, no, I don't have that many hours in my life to, you know, like <laughs> – you know, if you really love what you do, I guess you make the time for it. Um, and um, so, you know, I get up early and, I mean, there's a lot. I'm really, really bad on emails. Anyone who's listening who's sent me an email in the last week will probably know that. Um, but but what I love is creating content that, that I hope is um, makes people, um, I guess, happier or maybe share some information that's necessary or helpful to them. So um, it's no hardship to, to do that. I guess I'm really bad at the business side of things and charging for that and all the rest of it. But um, I do I do really love what I do and um, creating good content is something that gets me really excited. So I try and do it as much as I can. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it's hard and, and, you know, like someone, I went to an event last night to, to talk about my book and someone said, Oh, you know, do you, do you always cook amazing food for your family? And it's all, you know, local is lovely. And I was like, well, actually last night we had party pies for dinner <laughs> and it's true. Um, so, you know, we're not all, um, you do your best. Hey, I think that's all we can do. Wait, what are party, what, what are party pies? What are party pies? Oh, sorry. They're like little baby meat pies that you get in the freezer. They're terrible. They're like horrible, but my kids absolutely love them. So they were, they thought it was the best dinner ever. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think, I guess we all stumble and trip a lot along the way, but um, I really do love what I do and I love telling stories and telling other people's stories and um I'm still excited about Instagram. I know that a lot of people find get 
annoyed about the algorithm and all that kind of stuff, but I still get really excited when I share a story there and people comment and we have conversations and um, because I, I do live half an hour from our closest town, which is four hours from our closest city. And, and you know, I do feel some, a bit isolated sometimes. So Instagram has certainly connected me to a whole new world of like-minded people, whether they're in, you know, um, the Ukraine or in Manchester or in Sydney or wherever. Like, I think that's pretty magic. I totally agree. It is absolutely magical. And even if you're not geographically isolated, there are so many times in life when we can feel isolated or be stuck at home on our own. And Instagram is just a beautiful place to feel less alone and find community. Mm. I totally agree. I think um, sometimes just being at home with an infant or if you're unwell or whatever it might be, you might be feeling a bit isolated. And, and to know that there's someone out there that's just as interested in I don't know, novelty tea cozies or whatever it might be that you are, um, it makes you feel a bit less um, on your own. So I think, yeah, I, I've um, been really uh, well supported by my, I guess, my little community on Instagram and I'm super grateful for that. Have you had much negative stuff on Instagram? Because obviously you have a meat-based product, which some people are very politically opposed to. Um, look, not like so rarely. We, we farm holistically. We are really open about, um, you know, how animal welfare is our absolute priority. Our farm is very, very, like it couldn't be more free range if we tried. So, you know, we've had the odd person that's challenged or asked us, asked us a question and we always say to people, please come and visit us. You know, we, we're happy to talk to you about anything. Um, I'm always very careful to um, respond in a really timely and courteous manner to any inquiry we get about what we do in any way. And, and some people have an agenda that, um, they, they really don't want to hear um, both sides of the story and, and that's okay as well. But um, I guess, you know, the, 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 the negative part of it has, has not been a big deal for us and, and that's great, but um, fingers crossed it stays that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to jinx it. Mm. So how did all of this get started for you? I actually don't know the answer to this. You moved to near Orange and you... Mm-hmm started farming with your husband how did it then turn into local is lovely and my open kitchen um so I actually um I grew up in Sydney as I mentioned and I did journalism at university and pretty much straight out of university I did a couple of years I did my working holiday visa in London like many many Aussies and I even lived in Earl's Court which is like the ultimate cliche (laughs) um and then I came back and I started working I got my first job as an editorial coordinator at a food magazine in Sydney and I just loved it it was complete love at first job whatever you want to say um I really really enjoyed working in food magazines and I wrote a lot of stories about producers and you know the good life of living on a farm now I actually I often read back the stories I wrote and think I'd love to kind of revisit them with a little bit more reality <laughs> and into the mix mm. um and then I actually um I found myself working or I got an internship working for slow food which is an international movement dedicated to good clean fair food in near Turin initially and I ended up staying there for about three years um and I guess that's where I really kind of solidified my approach to food, which is very, very, um, you know, seasonal, simple, relying on really beautiful produce. 
Um, and when I got back, I went back into magazines and I went along one day to a PR event for Australian farmed venison. And I sat opposite this really lovely deer farmer. And three months later, we were engaged. Mm. It happened super quickly. Um, and, uh, I moved to the country and didn't even think twice about it, but I did, as soon as I got here, I mean, Orange is a great town, but I did miss um, the hustle and bustle and the creativity of working in a team of people on a magazine. I always loved that, you know, I was on the editorial side and then we had the art department and the advertising and it was just super exciting to me. But um, fairly soon after I moved to the country, we started our family and I was at home with a baby on a farm. And um, my editor, one of my old editors said to me, you've stopped writing, you should start a blog. And I was like, what's a blog? I had no idea what a blog was. Mm. Um, and so I did some research. This was like 2007, eight. So when blogs were really kind of getting cracking, I guess. And I just started to Google it and I completely fell in love. I was like, oh my God, there are all these amazing people out there putting out all this content and I want to be a part of that. So I started my blog, Local is Lovely. And um, I learned how to take photos and, um, you know, I loved the fact that for better or worse, I got to decide what photo to lead with and, you know, how many recipes to run and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and the blog was really you know, it's still a small kind of affair, I guess, in terms of readership. It's not massive, but um, it, it's been a platform for so many opportunities. And like I said at the very beginning, you just never know who's looking and watching. And a publisher saw what I was doing and said, hey, we like this. Would you like to write a book? And I was like, oh, of course, I would love to. And that was my first book mm -hmm. and now my second book's just come out. So I really think, um, you know, if you do put the time in to kind of consistently put out content that hopefully is useful to somebody you just never know what could come of it uh tell us the, the titles of both of your books uh so my first one was low it's called local is lovely which is the same name as my blog and the second one is it just came out in april um in the uk as well uh called a basket by the door so it's very much um uh, all about you know making and sharing food with the people that you love, maybe a new mom or someone who might be convalescing or, you know, just really sad or someone who just needs a bit of appreciation. So it's, it's care packages, I guess. And you took all the pictures for the book yourself as well? I did. Yeah. So I took the, I, I shot the book. I mean, I wrote the recipes and I shot it over about 18 months, which was a real kind of luxury because I know a lot of cookbooks happen, you know, you write the manuscript and then it gets shot over a really short amount of time in a studio with an amazing team. But I guess I, what my book lacks in polish, hopefully it makes up for in, um, it's very heartfelt and homemade. And so over, over sort of for five seasons, really, I got to shoot when the figs were in season and when the kids were picking the cherries and when, you know, so we got to kind of cook with all the seasonal produce as it was coming off the tree or out of the ground or wherever it might have come from. So I, I um, it was a beautiful book to work on. I loved it. I feel like you're also being very modest there. Like it doesn't like anything in Polish. It is a beautiful book. I have my own copy. And um, oh. <laughs> yeah, I was looking through it with all of the other day and she was asking so many questions about all the pictures. Oh, well, it's, um, 
it's very much, I mean, it's actually really lovely for me personally because it's a very, very much like an album of our life here in a moment in time, um, you know, picnics we have in our paddocks or um, gatherings we might have. And, you know, every photo of every dish is either actually on its way to a friend um, or out our door to a picnic or onto our table for a meal. So, yeah, it was um, it was lovely to, be able to work like that and um, I feel very lucky. It's very hashtag authentic. Ah, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, and, and that's how I like to cook is very simply and, and I feel like so much cooking these days has become a bit of a competition, you know, like you're against the clock or it's, you know, all these reality cooking shows, it's kind of, it's a bit stressful. Whereas I think if you just keep it really, really simple and, and cook with whatever's, you know, at hand and in season, um, it shouldn't be a stressful thing at all. And with the photographs, were you completely self-taught in photography? Yeah, I totally. I um, I bought my first camera at the post office. You know, here our post offices have like special package deals with like all these lenses and it was like I think $200 and I bought my first camera. And I've kind of worked my way up and I've taken some courses and I've been to some amazing workshops and um, I, I really, really love it. And I do have like massive imposter syndrome all the time when I look at Instagram and think, oh, my God, who the hell am I to think that I can shoot my own cookbook because I see all this incredible photography around me. But I do also think, you know, when you live somewhere, like I love where we live. I think it's really beautiful. We've got lots of beautiful produce around us, lots of nice light. It's a good start, you know. <laughs> and someone needs to tell that story. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I know that certainly here in the country, I'm constantly amazed at the generosity and the thoughtfulness I see all around us. We had some um, pretty serious bushfires about a year ago. And um, I mean, my husband was one of many rural fire service volunteers who spent, you know, 40, 40 hours at a time up on the mountain fighting that fire. And they put out a call on Facebook and said, please, could we have some hot meals cooked for the firefighters? And within eight hours, they had to actually shut down the call because they didn't have enough room in the cool room to cope with all the food that was being delivered. You know, they had to rent two extra cool rooms. And, you know, I think <laughs> when things are tricky, cooking and, and feeding people is something that we intuitively want to do. And um, and that's kind of what I wanted to celebrate in, in this book um, and throughout the seasons and, and just tell the stories of, of little stories of generosity that mean so much, I think, to people. I really like the kind of that's at the heart of everything you do. And I guess like when you first started the blog, like it was just a space for that and you never expected it would turn into all of these different strands of your business that you have now. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I, I was floundering a little bit when I first moved here. I mean, I was happy living in the country and happily married, etc. but professionally and creatively. Um, and so when I start, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to my blog because it has given me a career. It's given me an income off farm. And I mentioned to you before where our area is in the middle of a prolonged drought, which is kind of horrible and stressful. So to have an income, even small, uh, that's not nothing to do with agriculture is, is, I'm really grateful too, but you know, it's, it's a lot of work. You know, someone said to me the other day, they emailed me and said, Oh, I want to get a cookbook. How do I do it? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. I mean, how I did it was like <laughs> six years of like putting content out three times a week, you know, and working really, really hard. Um, 
and and that that's just opened the door really but um everybody does it differently of course i just um yeah as i said i'm really grateful to local is lovely for for kind of providing that platform and often people say to me oh should i bother starting a blog even now and i was like oh i i really think so i think there's always a place for good content um that, that people need. Um, I totally agree. People will always come to it. I, I, and I mean, I look at your blog and I, you know, you're consistently putting stuff out there that really, um, that's super valuable to me. And um, I love that. I think that's, you know, I, I cherish that. I think a lot of people kind of look at success stories like yours and think, oh, I've missed the boat. Like it's too late for me to start a blog. But actually, it's not. It's just that you're six years of hard work down the line and six years from now, if someone starts today, they can be not where you are, but wherever they're going to get to. Oh, totally. I think, um, I really do think that there's so much space um, for all of us to um, to succeed or to, to, to carve out our own little corner of the internet. And and you said this, you know, when you came to our gathering last year, I remember, you know, you, you, you gave everybody that kind of permission slip, I guess, to keep creating and keep um, carving out your corner of the internet, that there is room for all of us to, to to find our spot. And I think it can be a bit disheartening sometimes just scrolling through internet and seeing all this incredibly beautiful content and all these amazing erudite people. Um, and sometimes you think, oh, where do I start? But I guess the thing is you just start. And I look back at my first posts and think, oh, my God, that's embarrassing. <laughs> and the photos are, you know, really blurry and like super close up, like so close. Um, I've zoomed in on everything with my like, you know, $60 macro lens. But um, <laughs> I think, you know, that's kind of part of it as well. Like I'm really – I'm still sort of part of those. And for me also that's when my kids were babies and toddlers and I wouldn't I wouldn't erase them for the world. So um, – you just have to start, you know, like a, someone said to me the other day, the best way to sort of start an exercise habit is to put your shoes at the door every day. And I kind of feel like it's the same thing with, with this, you know, you've just got to do it every day or every three days or every week or whatever is sustainable for you. Um, you just got to put your shoes by the door and do it, I think. Put your digital shoes by the e-door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could do with doing the other thing a bit more. Ah, well, I imagine you don't have a lot of time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember you saying to me as well that gatherings played a really big part in kind of establishing your business and, and kind of actual meetups. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, and, and I really credit, um, you know, organising and participating in workshops and gatherings and stuff for so much of my I guess, uh, community for want of a better word. And because uh, when I was starting out, I I really wanted to do all these workshops that I was saying, like um, Beth Kirby, Local Milk, she was doing all these workshops at the time and that was just kind of starting to happen. And I just didn't have the budget or the time or I had a baby and I couldn't, I just couldn't get to any of them anywhere in the world. I was just like had major FOMO. And, um, and so I thought, ah, oh, I wonder if I could just do something here. So I, um, I sent an email to Louisa, um, Brimble, who I'm, I think I know, you know, she's an amazing photographer and a good friend and just like a total force to be reckoned with. And I emailed her out of the blue. We'd never met. And I said, look, I, I have this space. It was actually my, my mum who's an artist and she has a workshop where she runs um, art classes. And I said, I have this space and um, would you come and do a workshop with me? And she, she wrote back like within an hour and said, absolutely. Yep. 
when, where, let's do it. And um, and that was the kind of beginning. And then I just kept emailing all sorts of people like Sky yeah. McAlpine and Molly Yeh and um, Marta Greber and all these people that I just – and you, of course, all these people that I just um, – I find so inspiring and, you know, and I emailed some people and they were like unable to do it and some people were and I just I just cherish every single one of those events because, yeah, there's a lot of admin involved and I'm really not good at admin but it's just emails and you can push through um, because when you all get together in the same room, there's nothing, you know, nothing compares to that and, you know, I still see on Instagram people that have come to workshops um, you know, four or five years ago and they're collaborating and one person's, you know, taking photos and the other person's writing text and other, you know, or whatever it might be. Um, I think that nothing compares to actually making the effort to be in the same room with some people that light your kind of creative fire. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think um, for me the organising and participating in, in workshops has been a huge part of of who I am and what I do now. And I'm, yeah, super grateful for all those people for taking that leap of faith. And for you, like, I just emailed you out of the blue and <laughs> said, hey, I want to do this thing. Would you come? And you came with your family. Like it, it's amazing what people will do. Um, and, yeah, you can't underestimate the, the, I guess, how lovely it is to physically be in the same room with all these people that you've interacted with on Instagram for all those years. Nothing can kind of replace that. It's something I noticed even just doing the events for my book launch, like getting people in the room who share those common interests. And I could see like people chatting, like people who maybe come on their own would make a little friend in the person sat next to them. Um, there's a real sort of magic to it. Yeah, I totally agree, Sarah. And I think, you know, I often, um, when we have a workshop that's maybe two days, people arrive on the first afternoon and, you know, they're a bit nervous because it's a big deal. They've spent a lot of money to come and where am I sleeping? And are these people normal and are they nice, you know? And, and I find as soon as they realize, ah, oh, these are my people, I'm all cool. I'm okay here. I'm going to be well looked after. And all the magic happens, especially like when we have you know, overnight workshops and it's breakfast. I find breakfast is when the really good conversations happen and everyone's, you know, over their porridge, they're like, you know, sharing all these amazing ideas and organizing new collaborations. And I think that's where, yeah, that's, that's what really makes me excited about doing these workshops because you can't do that over in, I mean, as magic as Instagram is, I think actually being in a room with someone and connecting is a whole other ball game. I did an episode with Flo, who I also met at your gathering. I know. She's so amazing. Yeah. She is brilliant. And she talks wonderfully about the role that workshops have played for her business as well. And, you know, she talks about how it can be quite a hard way to make money. It's not necessarily a great earner in itself. But I think that this thing that you're talking about is so key that it builds community and it builds relationships and actually they then go out into the world and have value within themselves for you and for everybody else. Absolutely. And they are hard work. Like, um, you know, I remember after a, a recent residential workshop and it was like 11 o'clock at night and I'd been up since like four and I had 15 beds to change and I was taking the rubbish out to the bin and the bottom of the rubbish bag like split and went everywhere and I just like sat on the driveway and just sobbed and thought, this is too hard this is too hard um mm. but then I kind of went back you know back inside and I was eventually I was looking through my camera at all the photos and you know it's it's amazing what 10, 15, 20 creative people can do together. And, and the other thing I think 
um, people forget about with workshops is the content you create is worth a lot as well. Like I, I um, a lot of photos from my book actually have come, like incidental photos have come from workshops, produce shots or hand shots or whatever it might be. Um, and I always say to people when I do workshops with them, don't stop taking photos. Just, even if you get tired, just keep taking photos because, the, you know, you never know what gems you might find in there six months from now or you never know what you might want to use from that. Um, having other people because, you know, I work on my own. Um, I don't have anyone in the kitchen to hold stuff for me or um, stir things for me. So to have a room full of willing hand models is kind of worth a lot in itself as well, I think. <laughs> um it's true there are a couple of pictures I think in my book from uh our time in orange and at the gathering so I know I saw them they're beautiful and there's a photo that you took I think on a and a, a hillside on the way back to Sydney and I often think where was she I really I drive that road almost every week of my life and I've never seen that hill <laughs> so it's your beautiful eye that found that spot and that photo it's it's gorgeous yeah we, to us I was like we're in the <laughs> outback and to you I think it would just be like you know <laughs> felt very exotic to to our British sensibilities well I mean it's all relative hey like I went out to the proper outback last year to do a, a workshop and they they said how that anyone um inland of a place called Broken Hill which anyone who it's about oh god it's like 10 hours west of Sydney we're all called inlanders and I'd never heard that before so I'm absolutely an inlander um but yeah I mean it's all beautiful and anything through fresh eyes as well I think is um pretty special well Australia was a real lesson in that to me actually that like everything is about perspective so the, at the gathering like we drove from Sydney to Orange and I think is, is it about four hours oh I got that right yeah exactly mm-hmm so we like broke up the journey. We stayed overnight somewhere <laughs> and then we got there the next day and, and there were people who'd just driven like 10 hours to get there. That's amazing. <laughs> because in Australia, everything's far apart and it was worth it. Yeah, totally. And, you know, we know people, we, we'll drive an hour and a half, two hours to go to a dinner party sometimes, you know, like it's just just what you have to do. Otherwise, you don't see anybody, <laughs> which is a bit sad. <laughs> But, yeah, it is all relative for sure. It's always a good lesson to kind of remember that the things that you take as absolute truths are not necessarily true for everybody else. Oh, definitely. And I think, um, you know, that that's why that gathering was so special, I guess, because everybody had, you know, they'd got someone in to cover their cellar door or they'd cover the farm or they'd cover whatever it is their business requires of them and made such a huge effort to be in that room together. So I felt like there was this like pulsing energy of goodwill in there you know everybody just was so keen to get a lot out of it and and they did and a lot of that came down to your you know you setting that tone with your amazing keynote so um you know and I think I mean that was just me organizing that and like a lot of people like oh I couldn't do that but I am the world's worst organizer like I'm really not that's not my strong point at all but so if I can do it anyone can do anything like this you know it's not hard you just got to actually do it I think well, it was very well organised and, yeah, I was quite impressed. <laughs> On the you, surface. <laughs> you consider yourself not an organiser because I did not get that impression at all. Oh. And I know, like, a lot of the speeches and things you put out on your current podcast, which is My Open Kitchen, from The Gathering last year. So I can link to those in the show notes if anyone wants to have a listen. But are you starting a new podcast for the book as well? Have I got that right? I have, yes. So I'm actually releasing it still under the My Open Kitchen channel as such, but it's like a special series called A Basket by the Door. And it's really lovely because as I started to put together my book, 
I was talking to all kinds of people about, you know, when they might have given or received baskets or care packages and food um, in their lives. And so I thought, oh, I want to put this together in a podcast. So I, for the first episode, which has just come out, I spoke to Tessa Kiras, who I'm sure many of your listeners would know and love as much as I do. Um, and Amiko Davies, who's a, a beautiful Australian uh, cookery writer who's based in Florence, and also Jermaine Lees. And Jermaine is a bibliotherapist, and I came across her via another Australian podcast called Dispatch to a Friend, which is just a complete delight if you haven't come across it yet. Yes. But what Jermaine does is she works for the School of Life here in Sydney, or in Melbourne actually, and she prescribes texts to people. So, um, and, and she sort of talks about how books put can put what we're feeling in maybe a bit of context and also um, help us realise that, you know, what we're feeling somebody else has felt and moved through and in their own way and maybe make us feel not so alone. So in in this podcast, she prescribes three different books to put in three different baskets. So maybe there's a basket of food you're putting together for a friend who's convalescing and maybe one for a friend who's heart has just been broken and maybe a new mom who's just exhausted. So um, it's really fascinating. I could talk to Jermaine about this for hours because I I really love reading myself and I find books a a total solace and comfort. And and then the next episode where I'm talking to some musicians about how music can do a similar thing. So it's really – um, it's a concept that I'm super passionate about, as maybe you can tell, but that idea of um, just showing people how much you love them through – Maybe it's a mixtape or it's a Spotify playlist or maybe it's a chicken pie or maybe it's a book that you've really thought about and given them. Um, I think that can mean so much to people. I just have such fun memories of turning up to that amazing house in Orange at the start of the gathering <laughs> and you had left us a chicken pie. You'd left oh, us yeah. um, like just this little selection of food. And in fact, I still have, you'd left like some waxed fabric over the top and we brought it home. There's still in my cupboard and I get it out for picnics. And oh, things I'm so happy it. to hear that. <laughs> and so I guess that's like the spirit of the book, isn't it? Yeah. It's like that feeling of, gosh, this is so thoughtful. Like someone has gone out of their way to make sure that like we've got good food to eat tonight after our two hour journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, we've all got so much stuff and I think everybody's, you know, I, I really think cooking for someone not only tells them that, you know, I, I want you to be nourished and I care that you're eating well, but also you're worth my time. Like you are worth me spending half of my day making that chicken pie for you because I love you and I want you to feel valued and nourished. And I think, well, I, I personally think that there's nothing, you, there's no greater act of love than looking after someone in that way. Um, and, and I, you know, I do hope that if nothing else, the book kind of inspires more people, even if you just go and buy a chicken pie for someone and wrap it up and pop it on their doorstep, you know, you don't have to spend all day making it, but just all those little acts of love, I think can mean a lot to people, especially in this day where things can be a bit scary and crazy and all the things that are happening. This is one small thing that we can control maybe. Absolutely. And we all need more love in our yeah, lives. Yeah, I think so. Sophie, where can people find more of all the different facets of your work? Uh, well, they can find me on Instagram, which is at locallovely, um, or my blog, which is local-lovely.com. And 
there you can find links to where to get my book and my podcast and everything it's all there fantastic and i will obviously put links to all of that stuff in the show notes for people as well thank you so much for making the time to talk to us i know it's late there in australia oh it's an absolute pleasure thank you so much sarah and um hopefully we'll get you out to australia again one day i've got to come back absolutely the show notes for this week's episode are at meandorla.co.uk forward slash podcast 81. That's M-E-A-N-D-O-R-L-A dot co dot UK forward slash podcast 81. And I include links to everything that we've talked about there, including Sophie's beautiful new book. I'd love you to come and continue this conversation with me on Instagram, on Twitter. Come and find Sophie and give her a virtual hug. I will be back next week with a brand new episode for you. <laughs>